Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm Angela Cocott in for Alex Pearson. Well, you know, a couple of times every week we check in with our good friend Tom Korski, managing editor of Black Locks Reporter. Go to blacklocks.ca to read some great stories that you might not see anywhere else. Tom, thanks for joining us this evening. Thank you, Angela. We always have too many stories and not enough time. So I want to get right into it. You have to tell me about the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board. Almost like mixed messaging here when it comes to what they believe in and what they're investing in. Tell me about that. Well, they're worried about climate change. They must be. They keep telling that to parliamentary committees. But their problem is their investments include uh, they they put Canada Pension Plan uh, members into uh, a Jakarta coal mine, a million dollars in shares in an Indonesian coal mine. And they own a lot of stock in Texas oil and gas companies. Why is that a problem? Well, Environment Minister Steve Giebel only last November flew to Glasgow, Scotland, spoke to the United Nations Climate Change Conference. He said, we're out of uh, oil and gas fossil fuel investments abroad. But no one told the CPP Investment Board, Angela. So that's a (laughs) – the irony is noted. And there's only one reason why they make these investments in coal, not in Canada, mind you, but in Indonesia – because that's where the money is. There's money in coal. There's money in oil and gas. Ask anyone who owns stock, like the CPP Investment Board. Their job, according to their mandate, is to maximize returns for beneficiaries. That's pretty much every worker in the country. Isn't it interesting? Well, have they had any comment on this? Or has the environment minister had any comment on this? Zero comment. And the last time they testified on climate change and they're, uh, at that time, they, they still own shares, a uh, million dollars worth of shares in a Chinese coal company. And they don't, like, they don't discuss their investments with um, reporters. It's no one's business, right? They act like a private corporation. But their last CEO testified in Commons Finance Committee three years ago, Angela. He gave a speech on climate change. It would make Jesus weep. It was that beautiful about it. It was about the risk and what about the kids and the climate and the global warming. <laughs> God bless them. Well, they're buying shares in the coal mines in Jakarta. And I know you don't know the whole CPP investment portfolio, but I know a lot of energy companies in Canada that have been doing all they can to show that they are responsibly developing their energy resource. I'm I'm curious if they have um, if CPP is investing in them because that would be the biggest criticism as to why you're looking at the U.S. or in coal in Indonesia and you're ignoring or treating uh, the Alberta energy sector as a pariah. So I don't know if you'd have any comments on that, Tom, or not. I just was thinking well, about it. Some Canadian coal, I know, for instance, uh, British Columbia coal, steelmaking coal, is the, it's some of the highest grade coal in the world. They export it to Japan. It's that good. 
But what did the CPP Investment Board put money in? Remember, they're looking to maximize return. They've invested in steel manufacturers and coal companies. As I mentioned in the People's Republic of yeah. China, I remember one MP, Dave Van Kestren, he's retired now, <laughs> touring a, a Chinese steel mill one time. He said, I thought they were burning tires. That's what it smelled like. I mean, the visibility, you couldn't see across the street. The air was that bad. They have this soft, terrible, high content, high sulfur content coal. You can crumble it in your hands. And uh, forget about environmental emissions controls. So there's a lot of conflict here. Has, mm-hmm. by the way, Cabinet directly invested in Canadian coal producers? They sure have. They gave uh, pandemic relief loans to a uh, coal uh, miner in British Columbia. It's almost like the climate change is about sloganeering, uh, Angela. It's very complicated for them. Tom Korski is my guest this evening, managing editor of Black Locks Reporter. Uh, talk about the significance of this story, why MPs have quietly endorsed Taiwan's bid for membership of the World Health Organization. Very interesting. It does. It drives China crazy. And uh, the way that MPs uh, put this in, it was very businesslike without fanfare. So Taiwan has had a pretty good record in pandemic management, and we have to say better than Canada, far better. Their uh, fatalities have been a fraction of the rate of Canada's, though they have a serious population, about 25 million, a fraction, uh, fewer than a thousand COVID deaths in Taiwan. And that's due to uh, very adequate supplies of masks. And uh, also they immediately shut down flights from China early, early innings in the pandemic. What's my point? They're not a member of the World Health Organization. They're not allowed. China says no. And everyone is aware of the going way back to the civil war between uh, the KMT and the Communist Party of China. What did the MPs on the Health uh, Commons Health Committee do? Well, uh, there was a conservative, Mike Barrett, who sponsored a motion, said we would uh, we agree unanimously that uh, uh, Taiwan should be a member of the World Health Organization. And every single MP on the committee agreed. No comment, no debate, no dissent. And they tabled that as a report in the House of Commons with the endorsement of the committee's liberal chair. Um, as mentioned, that would drive the Chinese embassy berserk. But it's interesting that MPs right across the line, Angela, said this is important to us. It's about health. That's enough politics. Taiwan should be in. Wow. Oh, and I, that's incredible because you're right. We, we hear so much about federal government watching what it says when it comes to trade relations with China. But you can see right there in that unanimous motion that there is huge support. And they, I think if governments had bigger spines, there'd be bigger pushback. Well, you know what? Maybe tying it in then because as consumers, we do our best to or we try to do our best to buy fair trade. We uh, look at our labels. Did the person who make that work for $2 an hour? Now cabinet is actually uh, putting pen to paper when it comes to making sure what we import into this country isn't a product of slave labor. Tell me about that one. As you mentioned, Angela, it's already in the Customs Act that you cannot knowingly, that's the, that's the loophole, knowingly import slave-made goods into Canada. But advocates have said for years that you could literally drive a shipping container through that regulation. And Cabinet Minister of Labor, uh, Minister Tassie, testifying in committee that uh, legislation will be introduced to try to get rid of this. 
There are uh, almost 2 million shipping containers land in Canadian ports every year. How many of them contain slave-made goods? Nobody knows. Unacceptable. And it's interesting, some of the products that have, uh, MPs and senators have heard in committee testimony, tomato paste. If you buy tomato, uh, imported tomato paste, odds are that it is uh, made at some point with child or forced labor from China. Cotton apparel imported. Uh, the polysilicone solar panels are China, and in particular, one of their slave provinces, Xinjiang, where they have a very large number of concentration camps involving their uh, minority uh, Uyghur Muslims, is a major producer of solar panels. You almost never hear about this. And as you point out, Angela, it's almost impossible for a consumer to know. Yeah. And and so it's one thing to have a bill like this, but I, you almost wonder the downside. There's a lot of things. If you're pointing out tomato paste, what we will actually be stopping consumers from accessing then, that that's the complication, isn't it? It's it's absolutely, it's, it's, it's dark and compelling. You know, the, the Senate Human Rights Committee had hearings. Who knew this? The uh, elements used in the manufacture of lithium batteries very often involve um, minerals that were farmed, that were produced with uh, child labor in Africa. Wind turbines, well, that's green energy. Green, it's got to be good for you. Contains uh, balsa wood that is typically from clear cutting under terrible labor conditions in Africa. These, There are MPs and senators, and this cuts it right across all party lines, who care very deeply about this. But for some reason, Canada seems incapable of getting it together. And I, I think you're right, Angela. I think it's about politics, and they don't want to offend certain people. Well, it's, that means China. Um, but uh, uh, if MPs and senators can't get to the bottom of it, how is someone standing in the pasta aisle at the grocery store supposed to figure it out? Oh, yeah. And sometimes when you see made in Canada, you look closely, well, designed in Canada, but made offshore, very complicated. Tom, this ties in nicely because this whole hour, rather, we're going to be talking about rising food prices, temporary foreign workers. It all ties together. And I'm glad you were able to kick things off with us tonight. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Angela. Tom Korski, Managing Editor of Black Locks Reporter. Go to the website, blacklocks.ca, for all the details on those stories. I'm Angela Kokot. You're listening to On Point.